Um, if, uh, if for some reason you don't have a Bible, maybe you don't own one, uh, don't, didn't like it before maybe today, or just want, you want to read, read one, be able to follow along, there are some that are on some tables behind this uh, column and over here. Snag one. If you don't own one, um, take it with you. Uh, we'd love for you to, to have it, especially if you'll, if you'll read it. Um, we recommend to you um, the biographies of Jesus Christ, um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the first four books in what's called the New Testament. And we commend that to you. If you're, if you're not a Christ follower, but just something, something's going on, you know that you need to kind of look more into who Jesus is. Um, and then you need to hear from his story and what we would call his voice. That's what we believe that the Bible is, uh, that it's the, the voice of God. Um, listen, um, Matt McDaniel and I, Matt was uh, just up here uh, leading worship. Um, we were, uh, uh, over the last four days, we were in Dallas. And uh, we went to a conference called Doc- Doxology and Theology, which just means um, the worship of God and, and the study, the knowledge of God. And um, um, we, uh, we drove out there to try to save a little money, but we also like road trips. And so Wednesday, it was just all day long, all day long, um, 12 hours. I think it was 13 hours just because of the stops uh, that we made um, all the way to Dallas. And then uh, Thursday and Friday uh, in the conference. And then yesterday, got up uh, early and made our way back. Uh, it was tremendous. Um, it's a great time together, a great time to be to be encouraged. Um, here's a here's a couple of takeaways uh, that that I had. Um, either thoughts that came, there were challenges, or or things that the Lord's been kind of showing to me is um, uh, the recognition that we need we need to make sure that the Word of God is preeminent in our gatherings. Um, that if if you come, and I know you don't come to hear me, um, but it's very important that you don't. Uh, it's very important that you come to hear me proclaim what Jesus has to say uh, because my authority is very, very limited. Uh, I can tell my kids and my wife what to do, and that's about it. And, uh, um, and it, it's important that you hear what Jesus has to say uh, in, in the Bible and, and this, that it is a, an entire story. It's, a, it's one cohesive story from the beginning to the end about how much God loves a broken world and and what he's what he was going to do and did uh, to be able to bring people into a relationship with him and um, we uh, um, we've just started this series uh, with the kids upstairs um, uh, that they're uh, for the next three years going to be going from Genesis to Revelation uh, in a in in a way that doesn't make uh, the the, the disciples or the prophets, the folks in the Old Testament or the New Testament as being out to be the hero, but very clearly to show how Jesus was the greatest of the heroes, uh, that he was the actual hero in the entire story. And uh, we just got some, uh, a timeline, a big map that, that came in um, a couple of days ago that they're going to be putting up. And we thought that it'd be just, you know, I don't know, I figure it's probably two feet by four feet. This thing is like 20 feet long. I mean, you've you got to go and see it because it does, it, it p- paints this picture that I think every adult as well as kids needs to see of all the way from the beginning to the end. What is the real story? What is the big story? And, um, and so we, 
we want to make sure that, um, again, the Word of God is preeminent. You're going to see more and more of ways that we're doing that. We started last week just in, in um, uh, bringing a song, that Isaiah 53 song, uh, to where you start, you're singing the Word of God. Um, and so it just gets it further and further into, into, your, into your soul and your mind. So that's something that was just kind of a good confirmation for us to do that. Um, here was a, a neat statement. Uh, somebody said, get immersed in the Bible so much that when you're wrung out, that's what life does to you, that you'll drip Scripture. Because otherwise, you, you and I, when we get wrung out, we just drip our own, our own perspective, our own worldview. But, man, that's the reason why we've got to have, as Romans 12, 2 talks about a renewal of our mind. Uh, and that only happens when something new is being placed in and coming against the deceptions that I believe and that you believe as well. And that's, that's the Bible, and that's what we, we believe. Um, uh, another quote, somebody said, uh, one of our biggest problems is that we think our thoughts and words are more important than God's thoughts and words. I'll say it one more time because it was that good. Our, one of our biggest problems is that we think our thoughts and words are more important than God's thoughts and words. And so vital that when we come together or when you're together in, in a journey group or man just meet one another um for lunch that man certainly share your perspective about life how you're doing and 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 how to how they're doing uh finding out asking questions but man um i don't really i don't really need everybody's counsel all that much what i need is i need people to counsel me with what jesus has to say and, and that's that's always powerful so um so it was a tremendous time with Matt and about 500 worship leaders. And in it, I mean, we, we talked, it was tons of talk time uh, that we had. Uh, 12 hours there, 12 hours back, and then during the other days as well. And we talked a little bit about last week's text in Mark, uh, Mark 4, uh, I'm sorry, Mark 6, verses 1 through 6. And, um, and then what today, today's text is. And seeing the last story, where if you weren't here last week, this last story... Jesus was was rejected when he was he was preaching and the rejection took place even by his own family by his brothers and his sisters younger brothers and sisters he was rejected by it and um so they they didn't believe they didn't believe who Jesus was they didn't believe how powerful Jesus was they didn't believe the authority that he had all right and that's going to play into today and, and some things about God's uh, believing in him and how powerful and what his authority is. But Matt had some, had some good insight uh, as we were driving back yesterday um, on our mega drive home. Um, uh, he, he, said, he said, you know, he said they saw, they saw that Jesus was rejected before they were sent out and rejected. And I, I thought that was profound, you guys. Um, we have a hard time with rejection, don't we? You know, when people don't like us, um, and it could just be us, uh, or it could be if we're, we're trying to, to live out the Christian life and trying to share how great Jesus is and people will reject those things. Guys, know that it's, it's, there's an encouragement that Jesus was rejected first. He, he walked through this life just like you and I did, and he was rejected. And um, I... It brings incredible comfort to me. Brings great comfort to me as a as a preacher, <laughs> because not everybody got saved when Jesus preached, and there's a whole other story behind that. But the reality is 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 that everybody who heard Jesus speak didn't automatically turn to Christ. So 
it's important that I also, as a, as a preacher, it's important to you, if you share Christ, to not think um, that everybody, everybody should repent and turn to Christ or you're a, 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 an awful and a terrible Christian. Because that's just not the truth. Jesus was rejected. We're going to be rejected as well. D.A. Carson is uh, a guy that helps me a lot in my studies, a great uh, professor and a theologian. He said, in spite of unbelief, talking about with his family, this last story, the work of spreading the great news had to go on, and so Jesus sent out the twelve on a mission. So let me read to you Mark 6, 7 to 13. That's today's text. And then we're going to pray, and we're going to jump into it, all right? Mark 6, 7 um, through 13. And he called the twelve and began to send out two by t- send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any, and if any, and if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them so they went out and proclaimed that people should repent verse 13 and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them all right let's pray and we'll dig in Um, god there's your word Uh, that's the most important part of of our gathering is is when we proclaim your word, and then secondary to that is then as we start to apply what what that means, God, and what it means about you, um, what it means about this world and life, what it means about what it means about us, if, for those who might be unbelievers, and for those who are believers as well, what it has to say about your mission, and therefore the mission you have for us, why you created us, God, would you show us? Would every person in here know that they weren't created on accident? They're not some cosmic mistake, but rather loved, cherished by God. For us in this day, over 2,000 years ago, loved by going to the cross and taking the chastisement of his dad, the, the punishment, took all the wrath for our rebellion and sin, God. I pray, Lord, that those of us that we've already become believers, that we believe that we would really believe that. And for those that are not believers yet, let today be the day they believe, Lord. Change hearts, all of us. Start with me. Amen. Okay, uh, let's jump in uh, verse 7. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. All right. Um, let me let me give you guys just a quick lesson in hermeneutics, just a, a quick little lesson. Hermeneutics is interpretation of some kind of literature or, or something. So hermeneutics of the Bible means how do we interpret the Bible? Okay, here's scripture. Now how do we how do we understand it? Um, one of the things that's important in hermeneutics or interpretation of scripture is that we don't unrightly apply something that's to someone else to us, that we don't just rip, off, rip everything that God said off to the Jews and say, well, that's, that's all for me. All the, maybe the promises or, or the things that he told a certain prophet to do, that we don't just say, well, we all have to do those things uh, as well, um, but rather we look where God is. He, he makes it plain and, and makes it across the board. And um, there's, a, there's some things in here that we're going to see that these guys had authority they had authority 
that we don't have. Now we're going to come back around to see that, but the God within us has the authority. But there's the specific authority that they had in doing some specific things, um, which then does connect with us. And so it's just important to be able to, to analyze through those things. But um, first of all, it says in here, it says God, he sent them out. Um, this, the word, the verb that's there, so the action, not the noun, but the verb that's there. Um, I don't throw out Greek words all that much, but you'll, you'll get this, okay? The verb in there is apostelos, okay? What does, what does that word sound like? Apostle. Is apostle a verb or, or a noun? It's a noun. That's right. But the verb here, apostelos, it means, it means to send out. Send out. And so uh, apostles are ones who are sent out as specific am, ambassadors. Um, and uh, so, so again, um, so that we don't just own everything that, that God says about somebody else, we are, we are not apostles with a capital A. There was a few of them. The, the apostles with a capital A were the guys that they, they saw Jesus, they, and specifically they saw the resurrected Jesus. Uh, and God had a specific calling to be a part of the birthing of the Christian church. Apostles with a, big, with a big A. Now, some of you are apostles with a little A. And this has to do with gifting, not necessarily an office or a, uh, a position. But it has to do with the way that God has made you or, or gifts you. And apostles with little a, these are people that are starters. People that are dreamers. That are entrepreneurs. Um, church planters uh, certainly would, would fall in this kind of a category. They're, they're people that they stir things up. Visionaries, you know, of like how things could be that aren't yet. Apostles with a little a. Alright? Some of you have that kind of a gifting. However... I do want you to know that though none of us are apostles of the big A, and only some have apostolic gifts, uh, like with a little a, every one of us, every one of us are apostles in the way that God says, I have sent you. I've sent you. Uh, One of Jesus' last prayers was in John chapter 17, when he was praying before the Father, and it's powerful, powerful um, you should go and read that later on, maybe just before going to bed tonight. Take it and just take a look at how Jesus prayed in this, this instance to his dad before going to the cross. And in one portion, I'll read you uh, verses 14 to 18, talking about those that God, that, that he is sending, sending out. Um, he says, I've given them your word. The world is hated them because they're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And that's very important. Um, I don't have time to really unpack that, but that bridges in so well as we talk more about being sent and later on to be a part of seeing people freed and see people healed. That God sends us into the world, and, and that means it's a broken world. And that means brokenness within us. It means brokenness is going to happen to us. Sometimes we're the brokenness that happens to others. It's going to happen. And Jesus says, look, as hard as it is, Dad, it's not time to pull them out of the world. Because there's a purpose. Because they're being sent. They're being sent into this world. But keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. That word sanctify really just means grow them in you. Grow them. Make them healthy in you. 
Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. See the word again there? The word, word, again? That's the story of God. That's the, that's the revelation of God as we know as the Bible. I mean, we've got to be people that, I mean, we are in, in the word of God because that's what's going to grow us and help us in this broken world. And then finally, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Guys, if you look around you, the people that are, that are here around you, we're all sent ones. If, if you're a follower of Christ, God has sent you. It means that you are a missionary. Every one of you are a missionary. If you're a Christian, every single one of you is a missionary. Every single one of you has been sent. The question is, are you going? Do you know who you've been sent to? Do you know who your tribe is? Do you know who God has called you to be in community with as where to go? Now, that's where we get to the next part because it said he, he sent them two by two. And um, I, I wish that I'd thought about this early enough to have Katie or somebody uh, um, do a slide um, or some kind of a digital art with this. But in my mind, it doesn't make sense verbally, but if, if you got a two times two equals community. So if you, if you want to, if you want to, some of y'all doodle it out, and, you know, or, or just, but get it in there because it's not really, that's, that's bad, that's weird math, two times two equals community, um, but it's not that, it's two by two equals community. That God has called us to be on mission, but he doesn't want any of us to be lone rangers, none of us. That can happen in a couple different ways. One is we can just be isolated and we're kind of out of the mission altogether. And we're just kind of living life on our own. And man, I'm just, it's just, I, all, I, all I've got time and energy for, Dave, is all the stuff that's in front of me and all the hardships and, and all this. I don't have time for anybody else. I just got time for me and my stuff and my junk. I, I got time on my family. We, we don't have time for anyone else. That's a type of isolation. That's a type of uh, lone rangering, but the other is that some some of us get so hyped up and get so excited about the mission of God that man we just we just blow out of here and we go and we do it alone. And we need others to be with us to be able to encourage us or to call us out. We need others that maybe they're the ones that are going to learn from us, you know, as we're going. But more, more time than not, it's that especially people that are the go-getters and men, I'm driven, I'm out there. And we need community. We cannot be lone rangers. Church, you need the church. I mean, church, that's you, that's me. We're, we are the church. It's not some weird building. I mean, I hope you know that churches aren't the buildings because this uh, the bank. I mean, don't come worship here, although that does sound like America, right? Um, but church is the people. Church is the people. We need one another. Missionaries. Everyone. I just look at the person next to you and say, you're a missionary. Now look at the other person on the other side of you and say, you're a missionary. John 17, 14 to 18 uh, was where we just were. Um, talked, about, talked about us being sent. He sends us out in community. We don't want to do mission alone. And so they're sent but they're not alone. And that is true of us. God wants us, wants us 
to know we've been sent, but not to go alone. Now, talks talks in here about uh, giving them authority over unclean spirits. Okay, gave them authority. Um, now, this is one of those places where he actually gave these guys the authority to be able to go that any person who had who was demonically oppressed or possessed, they had the authority to be able to go and to and and, and to free them. You know, uh, anytime, anytime, anywhere. Um, right, so let, let's let's unpack this a little bit to where we can connect the dots to ourselves. First of all. God is the one with the authority. He's the one that has authority that he, that he, if he gives it to anyone, it comes from him. He has the authority anytime, anywhere to free people. Secondly, God gave that authority to these apostles to where, as I said, anytime, anywhere, they could go and be a part of, of, of freeing the demonic, okay? Now listen to me. If you're a Christian in here, we don't have the same our authority given to us to where we have an anytime, anywhere authority to be a part, to, to free others. But God does. God does. So that means as you, as you go forward, as you go forth, then, and you see people in your life that they, that they have tremendous uh, chains in their life. They're enslaved to whatever it might be. That God's authority within you can be a part of freeing them. And I wanted to make that distinction because these guys, these apostles, when they would go and they would pray over, pray over people, boom, instantly, whatever, whatever the slavery was, and they were freed, freed from this oppression and from their possession. We got, a, we got a couple of examples where they came back and they said, well, wait a second, it didn't quite work. And Jesus basically said, well, these are, it's only going to happen through through uh, fasting and prayer, but it's still it's still going to happen, um, and and it's important that when you're praying with somebody, whether it be for healing, or whether it be that they're removed and brought out of that miry pit or whatever's enslaving them, and it doesn't happen immediately, then you can still say, God, I'm not resting on my authority; I rest on yours, and we and just proclaim, just say, God, you're enough, and. Sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it's not just instantaneous. So it's important that you don't come, come out of this saying, man, I, we are absolutely called to be a part of seeing people freed and seeing people healed in their lives, but that you don't hit a big brick wall at 70 miles an hour if, if somebody is, doesn't automatically um, be pulled out of that miry pit, if they don't automatically experience that kind of freedom. Don't trust in the authority that might be upon you, what you say. Trust the authority of God, right? Um, this takes us to verse 8. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. Now, first of all, he, he charged them. I mean, so this was, this was not a suggestion. It wasn't like, well, you know what, guys, if you, if, if you like, you know, just... It's kind of, here's, here's a recommended packing list, all right? That's not what it was. He looked at him and said, now, l- listen, okay? D- get your iPad out and take this note down. Um, you're going to travel lightly. You're going to travel lightly, all right? No bag. Um, this could have me- meant 
um, a bag for begging because a lot of itinerant ministers, they would they'd have a bag and, and it was others would know that this was somebody who was a beggar, either by trade, you know, well, trade, I mean, but that's, I mean, that's who they were, or it was somebody that, that um, is on some kind of a traveling type of um, mission. And uh, they, they receive from uh, the people around them. Uh, more likely, it, it meant that it was a bag where they had their clothes and other necessities. Necessities, right? Um, anybody, anybody a Brian Regan fan? Anybody like, like Brian Regan? I know the, uh, the few family loves Brian Regan. Check him out on Netflix. He's a great, clean comedian, especially compared to others. And, and he said, uh, he, he talked about how uh, one, one day he lost his, uh, his bags and, and uh, so went to baggage claim area and they're apologetic, and we're going get, to get, get this information from you. And the, they, they, he says they turned, they turned around, and they, they brought him this thing. They said, here, this is, uh, this, this is for you. This will help you. And he said on the outside of it, it said necessity kit, you know. And uh, he's like, necessity? He's like, oh, fantastic, you know. Food, shelter, and happiness right here in this. In this. I wish I'd known. I didn't need to pack everything else because this is what's necessary is what's in, in this, this thing. I think that's important for us to, to unpack in our lives is to think that, to know that the things that you may think are ne- necessary in your life might not and probably are not. Further than that, a lot of the things that we have in our life, they're actually distractions to mission. They're things that actually keep us from engaging. Things that, they insulate us. They comfort us. Um, and keep us from what God, God really wants for us. And, and, and again, a lot of that has to do with, at a, at a foundational level, is come back to a point of belief to say, all right, God, the things that you say I need, I believe that's what I really need. And anything else from that, then that's not necessarily a need. But for God to, to believe, God, God's going to take care of us. That God, He's, he's, not, he's not a taskmaster that just wants to make life miserable but that the things that he describes and designs and says, this is life, that, that that's what real health is in, in our lives. And so I, I believe that that's probably what it was. It was the bags with clothes and, and necessities that he was saying, leave that behind. He, he said, don't take a second tunic. Now, tunics, um, it, it, that's a hard one to even um, bring into modern-day English because the closest we'd come to would be underwear, but it's, it, that doesn't really suffice uh, tunics were it was an undergarment but it was something that w- was really long and um, so it was something that would have been thin and and to um, and to your skin um, but probably what this meant was a second tunic probably meant meant something that you put around you on top of the undergarment that probably could have um, um, seconded as a blanket for you so again the comfort, the, even some of the needs that you think, he's saying, all right, I don't want you to pursue those because they need to happen at this next point, which we're going to get to in the, the mission outpost uh, where, where needs are, are met. Uh, just go ahead and get, that, get that, that word in your mind, mission outpost, because we're going to come back in a little while to it. But let me ask you this, you guys. Um, what, what things in your life 
that have become a distraction to God's mission that He has for you? Be honest. Start to, start to think about that. I mean, what, what are things in your life that because of the comfort level or because there th- are things is like, okay, because I have this, I feel like I've matter, I've arrived, you know, I've, 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 I've got power because of this, I've got authority because of this, I've got respect, I've got love because of this. What things have become a distraction from God's mission? Or what about this? What, what goals, what agendas, what dreams that you have have become a distraction from God's mission in your life? I mean, hello, Christian American, you know? I mean, hello, Mirror, Dave Few. This is, this is us. I mean, where comfort and personal ambition sidetracks mission. So what are the things that, that we need to put back? Okay? Now, I don't, I don't know how long they were gone. Um, but what's interesting, he didn't say throw away all the things. He was just like, put them, put them back. And I think that's good for us because I think that that'll help us. Because sometimes when it's the all or nothing of like, you got to, you know, that new car you just worked for. Jesus says, sell the car, you know, okay, all right, you know. You know, you finally got that job, all right. Quit your job and, and go work as a social worker, you know. I mean, whatever it might be that God, it was like God's going to steal something from me. I think what it allows for us now... If God tells you to do any of that stuff, you better do it, right? But I think it helps us to be able to say, God, what, what do I need to kind of pull away from? What, what are some things that have, have become too important in my life? And again, they're distractions. It, and it can be good things. It's the beginning of November. November 4th, I think, is what today is. And uh, what if... What if God helped us, helped you and helped, helped me to think through, I mean, something that it might be bad, it might be good, but it's just become a distraction. What, what if we said, all right, for, for a month, for the rest of November, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it back for a little while. I'm going to allow this to be over here um, to, just to remind me. Again, I'm not saying that you have to villainize it or demonize it necessarily. If it's sin, yeah, I mean, <laughs> crush it. But, but if, even if it's something good and, and helpful, but it, because we are as Americans, things that, that just creep in and crowd out the mission of God, what if just as a, it's almost like Lent, you know? We just kind of said, God, I'm going to put this aside and, and, and withholding this for a while is going to be a reminder to me don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Where, where do we need to simplify in our lives? Um, gosh, it seems like about every year, maybe every two years, our, our basement just gets absolutely cluttered. Some of y'all have been, have been in my basement. I don't like, I don't like showing my basement to, to people because it's got all of our junk, but I've got, I've got about 10 different people and extended family that they they try to put their stuff in in there and every once in a while i'm just like all right get your stuff or i'm putting it on the road you know and and it's like time to clean house and simplify i think it's important for us as americans that we think through simplification um not not in the way that's unprayerful not in a way which just a knee jerk to just say yeah man just get rid of everything that's not what we're saying but in a way where you just kind of say god what do you what do you want to do 
How do you want us to simplify our lives? How do we need to travel lightly? Um, this travel lightly and, and the, the, the verbiage that Jesus is saying, it's really, there's a sense of urgency to it as well. It's like, listen, this is important. You need to be able to pivot. You don't need, you don't need to be pulling two huge carts of stuff that, that are going to slow you down. Travel lightly. There's an urgency to it. There's a, a flexibility to it to be able just to listen to what the Holy Spirit says to us. And we pivot. We say, yes, I'm, I'm ready. And so, again, thinking about that in simplification, what, what are things that just kind of slow us down? Slow us down from, from being where God wants us to do. And so what, what would God have to say about those things? Um, travel lightly also has a lot to do with them having to trust God to provide. Um, you know that I mean, the American dream basically is get to a place where you don't need anything else and you don't need anyone else. That really is what the American dream, dream is. And wow, how, how anti-gospel is that? How anti-biblical is that? That we buy into it and just to get to a place where, man, I don't, I don't have to ask anybody for anything because I'm self-sufficient. I'm a self-made man. Self-made men go to hell. Self-made women go to hell. It's only when God remakes us and helps us know, man, we, we can't stand on our own two feet. We need to lean on Jesus and stand in the shadow of the cross. Travel light. Leave behind all our comforts, our safety nets. In some ways, it's like burning the ships behind us. What is hindering us from our missional calling that we have? You know, in another story, in the sending of the 72 disciples, he said some similar things, similar things to them. Luke 10, verse 4, where he said, Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. And check this out. He said, And greet no one on the road. Greet no one on the road. Or don't stop to talk along the way. And this almost seems unbiblical. Because there's so many stories in the Bible where God's telling us, don't get so focused in on where you're trying to get that you miss the ministry opportunity right in front of you. We talked about this just last week. And it's important. Listen to the Holy Spirit. When, when we think we've we got to do this and this and this, and God just says, boom, gives you an opportunity for ministry, and He says, dig in, you do it. On the other hand, we don't need to think every need that's out there and every person we, we, we encounter that, that God wants us to get off track, we could trust that He... He'll take care of them. But when he says, okay, stop what you're doing. Anchor here for a little while. I want to do this within you. But listen, guys, there are times. There are times in which we are to absolutely put the blinders on. Some of y'all, you're you're in marketplace. Uh, Maybe you're a business owner. Um, You're you're, you're a a head of uh, an organization uh, or a division and all that. And I mean, you've got you've got goals that are that are there and and uh, what I'm what I'm not saying is that you run over people to get to your objectives, but you better be you better be you better it better be clear to you that when it's clarified of what the mission is that you don't let people drag it down or distract you from the mission. Some people have a 
seems like they've got a calling to criticize everyone else that's around them. You know? You guys are leaders. You've seen this, haven't you? You know? That there's a new goal, a new vision, new objective, you know, in your, in your neighborhood, in your, in your business, and in, in the organization that you're in. And, man, all of a sudden, just the critics, man, they just, they just start flying, man. Just, blah, 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 blah. you know, just, I don't like this part. I don't like this part. You know? It's, it'll slow you down. It'll slow you down if you're not careful. And they, some, for some people to complain, to instill doubt, to control others by slowing the processes down. That's like they're calling in life. It's a, it's a manipulation technique that if, they can, that if they can stop the presses so the attention can be upon them, that's actually not a good way to love somebody is to allow them to do that. If you've got clarity on what God has said to go do, you go and do it. Don't run over them. Invite them in. Help them. Encourage them. But do not let them slow down your team or wreck the vision. This is what Jesus just experienced with his family members in Mark 6, 1 to 6. He just, he just said, you know what? All right, we just got to press forward. We got to press forward. And ultimately, through doing that, not letting them discourage or destroy the vision or the mission ultimately they came and were they became a part of it because he had the the blinders on do not let people pull you off mission love them enough to keep pressing forward verse 10 11 and he said to them whenever you enter a house stay there until you depart from there now guys does does that seem like kind of a, a dust statement that you stay in a place until stay in there until you leave the Leave it, you know. That's not what it's saying. Hold on, we'll come to it. And if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you when you leave, shake the dust that's on your feet as a testimony against them. All right, I've got to pick up the pace because I've got a lot of stuff to cover in the next, next little while. Um, the purpose of them going to this house was this was to be a mission outpost to reach a tribe of people. Um, what they were doing, in essence, is they were seeking what's been known as a person of peace within a tribe. They were looking for a person that, that first of all, would welcome them in, and that person would, would be open to being a bridge to the tribe that they're in and they're, they're around, and that this, these guys are, are called to, a person of peace. And, and their home became a mission outpost by which mission and ministry took place in there, and was springboarded from there. Um, guys, this, this bank right here that we are, this is a mission outpost. This is not a church. It's a mission outpost. Um, it's, it's in a bigger sense than what we're talking about here because it's like all of the apostles, all the disciples would gather and and. And, and a mission out. That's, that's what we're doing is we're gathering here. We're making much of Christ. We're saying, like we're seeing a little while ago, God, you're the God of this city. And there's many more things that you want to do. And so we're like, uh, that's why what we wanted to be in the center of the city is that we just have this invisible flag. It's about a thousand feet high. That's like every day we're like planting this thing. Just saying this is God's city. Right in the middle of Metro Huntsville. 
that God loves this city. And we come together and ministry takes place here. Aha moments take place here. And we worship Jesus Christ. And then God sends us out to our smaller mission outpost, which is kind of more like what we're talking about here. Homes. Journey groups that we have. And some of y'all, you don't know what journey groups are. You haven't been to a journey group. Um, our hope is that God, in the next two to five years, that he'll give us, that he'll give us 20 and 40 different journey groups that are scattered all over Metro Huntsville that say, what will it take for us to be a mission outpost to our neighbors and to our co-workers and to our fellow students? What will it take to own, take, take a, a smaller flag and just boom, plant it and say, this is God's city, this is God's neighborhood, this is God's school. We scatter. And it goes even further from that of uh, the nations um, that literally, globally, that we want, to, we want to send missionaries and plant mission outposts all over this world. Guys, God loves this world. He loves the globe. Scripture talks about, about every tribe and every tongue coming to a place where they worship Jesus Christ. Who is it? Who's, a, who's somebody that you know that's from another country? You think about their, their country. And you say, man, God, what will it look like for awakening to occur at a bigger level, revival to occur at a bigger level in that, in that country? Think about countries that have already been reached by the gospel and others that don't even have the Bible in their own language. What if we said, all right, God, I don't want to die. I don't want to use my 80 years of life and to not be a part of your global reach and the gospel going forth. Every tribe, every tongue, every, every neighborhood, every tribe. I mean, every, every one of you guys, are, you're, you're part of a, of a tribe. Probably part of multiple tribes. Kind of who you are and you've got a certain language that you speak and a certain way that you go about doing things, way that you're educated, the way that you... In, are entertained, uh, the way that you eat, the way that you exercise, the way you don't exercise. I mean, just we all are part of different tribes. It may be you're a part of an artist tribe or you're part of the tech nerds or you're, you're a writer or you're an extreme athlete, you're a business professional, or you're a mom with young kids or maybe an empty nest married couple. And there's others that are in your tribe. What does God want to do? What's God want to do? Right where you are. In the tribe that you're in, and in, even if you looked at the mission post of your own home, the neighbors that you have around you, the people you work with. And so we just ask God that He would give us persons of peace. Um, I, want, I want you to think about it. I want you to dream about it. I want you to strategize about it. Where does God have you? And has He partnered you with kind of a person of peace? Has he given you somebody that really helps to, to engage in your neighborhood better, in your mar- where you work better, in your school better? Has God given you somebody like that? If not, pray and ask God to give you somebody like that. The, um, the Bible says they shook the dust off of their feet. What did that mean? Um, basically, the, uh, the Jews, uh, let me quote this from uh, D.A. Carson. He said, Jews often shook off the dust of heathen places when they left them. 
But on this occasion, the disciples were to do it as a solemn legal witness to the rejection of the gospel. Um, so basically, it was, it was something of, of like, okay, by these guys who were, were authorities in, in, in under Christ, that they were saying, we want to make it plain that you are rejecting the Savior of the world. Okay? They, they wanted to make it plain that, that when that took place, we don't want to just we don't want to just wink at it. We don't want to just ignore it. We love you enough to tell you you are rejecting the savior of the world. That you should tremble when you do this. That's love actually. I mean, it shouldn't be with hatred or want them to be condemned, but with a love to just say, "Please, I want you to know this is the savior of the world that you're rejecting." All right. Um, thinking here, you guys, because I uh, think I need to wrap it up. But there's this last these last two verses I want to I want to cover. Probably cover it next time. Because, all right, tell you what, I'm going to give I'm going to give five five minutes and try to blast through this because it's so connected and the understanding about being a missionary and being in a mission outpost. Let's just run through it real quick. Verse 12 and 13. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and they healed them. All right. So now at this point they have their mission outpost. Think about it. They they've found a person of peace that said yes you can be in my village. You can be among our tribe and, and stay here. And I'll help provide for you, which was, again, showing the, the provision of God and God's favor upon them. And so from there, it's like now what happens to the people that need to be freed and the people that need to be healed? Verse 12 talks about how they proclaimed repentance. And verse 13 says, then they were freed and they were healed. Now, listen, guys. Verse 12 is telling it's important to proclaim the gospel. And verse 13 is saying the other side of that coin is it's important to be the gospel. These are not enemies to one another. They're not diametrically opposed to one another. And some will try to do that to be able to say, man, just be a proclaimer. Just, man, you don't have time to mess with people, but just tell everybody. And then others all they, all they do is, sh- is show love and mercy and compassion, but they never tell the people who it is that's the real Savior and the real lover and the real freer and the real healer. It's both. It's the genius of both and. They proclaimed, you've got to repent. You've got to repent. But then they walked it out. They walked it out together. They, they brought freedom to the enslaved. Aaron Ivey was one of the guys this past week that um, he's a, a worship leader. And he said this. He said, human nature is that we want to believe that the world is not as broken as it is. So we insulate ourselves. And we just try to, okay, when that compassion commercial comes on, quickly change the channel. You know, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see the child. Or when, you know, when, when people start talking about prostitutes and human trafficking, stuff like that. It's like, la, 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 la. If I stick my head in the sand, it doesn't really exist, right? It's not true. It's not true. 
We live in a world that is so very broken. Sometimes we try to ignore it or dismiss it, but it's still there. Guys, on um, December the 1st, that's Saturday, um, invite all of you, you who are Sojourn Church members here, I charge you that on December the 1st that, that we gather together at 7 p.m. and for another time we're calling Justice and Worship. And uh, we're having Andy Hine from the IJM, which is International Justice Mission, um, who they're, they're a, a, a global organization helping people, helping women, children, and, and men at times uh, to be freed from different areas of human trafficking and slavery. And he's going to help us to understand the reality of human trafficking globally and nationally. And we also want to turn our eyes to what's going on uh, locally as well. And I just, I just throw this out. I mean, guys, there, there are women and children that are enslaved. Even in our own city. Different type of forms of, 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 of slavery that, that they're in. And, and God wants us to join the Father in His, in His rescue mission. Jesus... Um, the Jesus we teach was always around the broken, you guys. Always. What does that tell me? What does that tell us? What does it tell me in my insulated life? It, how many of us live in a life where we kind of look around and it's like, man, the world's grand. It's fantastic. There's hardly any problems anywhere because of what we see immediately around us. God doesn't want us to be insulated that way. He wants us to be missionaries. He wants us to be like Him, always with the broken, with the poor, with the lonely, with the victimized, with the enslaved, with the fatherless. I believe He wants... I mean, I, I was being told by Matt the other day, how many, how many sojourners were at this, this, orphan, um, this orphan seminar uh, a few weeks back? And I was like, wow, what an answer to prayer. How many of you guys were there just saying, God, what do you want to do among the orphans, the fatherless? God wants to just spread us out among what, what He wants to do in, in those that are broken, the poor, the victimized, the enslaved, the fatherless, the widows. That song we, uh, that video we heard with the song Deliver Me earlier, I mean, just, it's almost like the people themselves were crying out, Deliver me, deliver me. They know they're broken. They don't know that Christ is the answer, but they're just like, Could there just be a deliverance? Please, somebody save me. Somebody. God hadn't forgotten about these. He sent the church. He sent the church. It's to be done in community. Don't be a lone ranger. There, especially when we start dealing with broken um, and, and folks that are enslaved, um, it's important. Don't go alone. Ladies, don't go alone. Ladies, don't go alone. Ladies, don't go alone. Um, it's important that we're, we're walking out what the Holy Spirit has to say, uh, what He's doing, what He's placing before us. Do you pray for the broken? Do you know the broken? 
Part of this has to do with these guys were going to a different tribe. And a lot of the broken people that we'll be talking about, it's, it's people you're not with every day. It's, it's okay, the people outside of our, our view, vantage point, that we've got to do something that gets us out among where, where God's working outside of our little circle. But don't forget that there's a lot of brokenness in you and in me. And there's a lot of healing that needs to take place in you and in me and those that God has placed around you that we are walking in community with too. So don't, don't completely step over those God has placed already around you for the sake of mission either. Let me just uh, let me pray for us. And uh, let's, let's just wrestle with this. God, uh, help, us, help us to wrestle with this. Help us to know that you're our Savior, that you're our Redeemer. Um, that as we, as we talk about what healing needs to mean or, or what freedom from slavery means, that Jesus, that you are the one, that you are enslaved with our sin. You took the chastisement, the punishment of all of our sins upon you. And by your stripes, by your wounds, we are healed. And that's the ultimate healing is we've been healed from our sin We've been healed from a separation from God. Lord, may we now have eyes to see that those that you placed around us, that they need to be healed and freed from their sin. They need Jesus as their Savior. Help us to boldly proclaim you as well as to then serve them, to be the hands and feet. And God, especially as we look around, uh, not with Help us to not look at those that um, are around us that need to be rescued, God, as projects. Uh, help us to not look at how great we are versus how bad they are. But help us just to respond, just to say, God, you love this man, this woman, this boy, this girl so much. I can play a part, whether it be, whether it be the a, a adoption of a, a, a Passion International child that you're a part of their 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 food, their clean water, a part of their education, a part of gospel teaching in their life, Lord. Whether it's that, or whether it be a, truly adopting a, a boy, a girl, a, a, a child, a baby, Lord, um, as, you, as you lead. Whether it be, Lord, um, folks that are, that are in other, other areas of, of, of mission or, or suppression within our, our own city, God. That you show us, you connect us, you build these bridges, God. Um, and help us to be on this journey, you know, with one another, God. Please do a great work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, if, if you're not a Christian in here, man, it's a great day. It's a great day to surrender to Christ. I commend him to you. Just even right now, just say, <laughs> I give up. I am no more Savior. Jesus, I surrender to you. And uh, I t- I'd love to talk with you, pray with you if you, you want to process through that um we're, our time response right now is communion uh the lord's supper and uh it's going to open up over here if you're if you're not familiar with the way we do it um this is open to christians if you're not a believer in here it wouldn't be appropriate for you to do it because we're proclaiming the gospel we're proclaiming his death and his burial his resurrection through it but you take the bread you dip it in either the wine or the juice and you can do it right there you can go back to your seats you can go in little groups you can go wherever you want 
just in the way that you want to reflect and respond to this. But I just, I just invite you that this morning that you would know that as you take that, even as you look at the bread, you will see stripes. As you look, you'll see piercings. And that you would say, God, by your wounds, I've been healed. God bless this time as we respond to you and the Lord's table with the Eucharist. And let's um, do a great work in us, revealing the tribe that you called us to, revealing the ministry that you've sent us to, revealing who we're supposed to be in community with to walk it out, and help us to press forward. In Jesus' name, amen.